Those of you who are just now going to be joining us online, uh, welcome, glad you're here. I just want you to know that anything that's going to happen after this is anticlimactic. You missed it. You should have been here for the music this morning. I love that trio. And what they couldn't do in singing, they made up for in looks, right? <laughs> yeah, appreciate that, ladies. And that was excellent this morning. Most of you have been here quite a while, and so uh, this may be a, a little bit redundant, and I'm interested to see at the end uh, if I'm wasting my time, and we'll, we'll see about that, because if everybody here has already got this mastered, then I'm, I'm, uh, I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak. Uh, but if you followed along and you listened to last week's sermon, then what you uh, remember talking about was a desires. And how I ask you to look at desires, the desires that God gives you, the desires that are in your heart, how to evaluate those desires, how those desires may be in conflict with each other. And to narrow that down to some desires that are important to you, things that you would like to see fulfilled in 2022, and to be sure that they're not conflicting with other desires and to be sure that they are the kind of desire that God can bless, one that you would say came from his heart, that's your heart as well, that you share something there. Now, that's the synopsis of last week's sermon. And if you haven't done that work, then uh, you're going to have to go back and do that before you do today's work. And you're saying work. And no, you just came to hear a message, go home and be done, right? Okay, well, I'm sorry, this is not one of those messages. This is stuff that I picked up in, uh, in the PFE class that I had in seminary. It was, uh, I think they gave us this stuff because they were afraid that preachers would come out and be lazy because they don't have to go to work like everybody else does and somebody looking over their shoulder all the time. And you could see how there's the potential for that, all right? Um, the other side of the coin is, if your church is big enough, you're going to have enough calls. You're not ever going to get to slow down, you know, but uh, you, some of you understand how that is. But uh, uh, it was a kind of thing where they were concerned about us being self-motivated. Are you a self-motivated person? And so they wanted us not only to be self-motivated, but to be self-motivated with direction. And so what I'm teaching you is essentially what I was taught in seminary and what I've implemented at least at some stage, uh, some measure it, it, all of my life in ministry. And when I get off track a little bit, this is always the thing I come back to. And I found it's not good just for ministers, it's good for everybody. Now, this is the start of the new year. So have you thought about some New Year's resolutions? Just been too busy for that? You've done that before and it went nowhere? Okay, so if nothing else, maybe if you thought for 30 seconds about a New Year's resolution, maybe in that moment you captured at least one desire of your heart. So you could start there with some evaluation. Go back and hear last week's sermon, put that together, and then go from there. But if you've done that work from last week and you've made that list and you've evaluated, you've looked at it like we talked about, then you're ready for this next step. This is the process 
of turning those desires into reality. And uh, I, I do it in a three-stage uh, three stage kind of setup. This is not all from seminary. Some of this I stole from T.W. Hunt because the initial work that I talked to you about last week came from him. There's another step in there that really came from D. Duke. And that was years after seminary. There's actually two steps in this that came from D. Duke. The rest of it came from my professor back in, in seminary. So like I said, and I have often said, I've never had an original idea in my life. I'm still waiting on that. Someday maybe I will. Um, I didn't even have an original idea whenever I, I was looking to ask my wife to marry her. I think I was the sixth or seventh in line. Thank God I got there when I did. But uh, I just, I, that's, I'm just teaching you the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I'm just giving to you what others have given to me. I'm passing on to the next generation. And if some of you young people will latch into this, you'll have something to pass on too, maybe, right? <coughs> you don't care about that, right? Okay, we'll see. Here we go. I'm just going to assume that as a Christian, you would have a desire to see lost people come to know Christ. I'm just going to make that assumption, and that's the... That is the one desire that I'm going to work with this morning to illustrate everything that I want to show you. Now, if you don't, as a Christian, have a desire to see lost people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then you need to talk to me after the service, all right? Uh, I just need to work through the plan of salvation with you, make sure you're saved. Or, I mean, how can you have Jesus Christ in your life as your Lord and Savior and know and experience what you do in a relationship with him and not want everybody else in the world to have that. You're going to want that. It's just natural, isn't it? Um, let me give you a verse. Luke 19, 9. Jesus said to him, and he's talking to Zacchaeus here. Today salvation has come to this house because this man is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if we're going to enter into his mission, if we're going to have his heart, somewhere in that we have to have a concern for lost people. So let's turn that, let's turn that into reality or the possibility of reality. Now the first thing that I like to do is, and I don't always do it first. Sometimes I write the rest and then I go back and write the prayer because the prayer is easier to do sometimes after you've already set the goal and after you put the task in place. But the prayer is important for this reason. If you will turn this desire that you have. To see the lost come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you'll turn this into a prayer. And you'll be specific about this. And you pray this every day. What's it going to do for you? Well one of the things that it's going to do for you is it's going to keep your desire and your goals before you every single day of the year. If you pray about it. Because what a lot of us do is we make a, re a resolution. We say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this in 2022. And that's the end of it. We never wrote anything down. We never did anything with that. And two weeks from then, we have a hard time even remembering the resolution that we put together. If it's a real desire of your heart 
Something you really want, not just pie in the sky. A lot of us don't even get honest there, but that's last week's sermon. If you've got something there that you really want, that you really desire, that's burning inside of you, certainly the lost, uh, a, a, a desire to see the lost come to know Christ could be one of those, right? Have you got someone in your world, maybe not your world at large, someone, some two in your world, people that you're thinking of right now that more than anything else in the world, you would love to see them come to know Christ as their Savior? What would you not give up in order for them to know Christ as, your, as their Savior? Anything? You love them so much, you want them so badly to come to Christ Jesus that if you're like me, you're going to give it all. And that's exactly what Jesus did and what he's called us to do. And that's the verse I just read to you, to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, if that's your heart and that's burning in your heart, that's not something you'd want to talk about and say, I want to see people come to know Christ in 2022. And I want to be used in that capacity as that witness and then forget it in two weeks. You're not going to forget it. Every time you see that person, that burning and that desire is going to be there again, right? So let's do something with that desire. All right, what are you going to do? Here's what, I, one of the things I like to do is to turn that into a prayer for that person. Because it's going to keep that on your mind continually all year long in what you're doing and where you're going. Now, I have several prayers that I pray for lost people that are in my prayer book, but this is one. It's just a generic one that I use for, if I know you personally, it's going to be more personal than this. But this is a generic one that I use for a lot of people. I pray for, and you put the name in there, whoever it is you want to pray for. That you, God, would draw them, creating a hunger in their heart for you. That you, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit would convict their hearts of sin and their need for forgiveness and salvation. That God would, that you, God, would open their hearts and their eyes to the truth. People can't understand unless he does that. They don't come to the Savior unless they realize they're sinners. The voice that you would, I pray that you would silence the voice of the enemy in their lives. And that you would use me and send others as well to bring them to salvation. Let me give you a verse there. Acts 26, 17. Paul said, <coughs> when the Lord spoke to him, worked on his life and gave him his commission, he said, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by the faith by faith in me. Wow, what a commission. That's not my phone, is it? Once you get old, you don't have directional hearing anymore. You hear a phone and it's in your back pocket. It could be yours and it may be back here. All right. I mean, you kids don't understand that. All right. Big disadvantage when you're hunting. There's a bear here somewhere. And my daughter's in the back of the truck hiding and I'm going, there's a bear here somewhere. How do you run if you don't know which way to run? It makes you look really brave. It does. <laughs> ah, okay, so Paul is saying here. He is being used. 
as the one that's going to open people's eyes to the truth, to turn them from the power of Satan to the truth of God, that they could receive forgiveness of sin and a place with those who are sanctified. <coughs> You're an important part of that answer to your prayer. And a lot of times we're just praying for somebody else to do all the work. No, we, we need to be a part of that. We say, I'm not Paul. Fair enough. But you got one person, two people that surely you could speak to this year about Jesus Christ. That you're concerned enough about that you would push yourself beyond the limits of what you're comfortable with to speak to them and share with them the gospel of Christ Jesus. Okay, so now if you were praying that for some individual every single day and you saw that individual, what would be on your mind? I wonder if they're selling Girl Scout cookies. That's what would come to my mind, right? Are you tracking with me? Is there a chance now that maybe that desire that you have, you're going to be involved in, in a way that you never were before, and you might see it come to fruition in a way that you never would have seen before? Because before all you did was say, I just have a resolution uh, uh, to see, to be a better witness for Christ, period. And you do nothing. But now you've got it started. Your heart and your mind, it's directional now. Every day you're praying for this person and you're looking at them in a different way. You are becoming more and more and more hungry as you pray for their salvation. So then I have to turn this, this desire that I have. And again, these prayers are easier to offer or put together sometimes if you go with this the different direction. So then I have to turn this. I want to turn this into a goal. And that's usually pretty simple. But I, I, here's, the, here's the catchphrase for me. It's a purpose statement. So write it down this way. I purpose to. And that's, that's what I do. Lord, this year in 2022, I purpose to be a faithful witness to put the names down. People that are already on your heart. I purpose this year to be a faithful witness to these people. Be specific. And if you don't have any names there, then say, God, give me a name. Give me somebody in my world that needs to know you that I can be this witness to. So that's a goal. That's it. I have a desire. See people come to know Christ. That I would be the witness God wants me to be. Now I've turned it into a goal. Very specifically. I want to be a faithful witness to these two people. Do you see how that goes? This, this, this desire to be a witness could be a lot bigger. It could be a lot bigger. Could be this desire to be a better witness would lead me to a goal that would say. This year I'm going to learn the, the gospel. So that I can at least present it to somebody. Should be that that could be where you're at. Do you, are you following me? The desire then fleshes out in something specific. It does, and it could be as different as you are from me, but you're putting it down now in something that you can't put a handle on. For one of my big desires is this: I want to finish well. Do you have any idea how broad that is? But I put it then in little goals. And I have about five goals that I've broken that into. So that I can then have a handle on, for me, what it looks like to finish well. And all of this always has to be fluid. Because God may come in and say, you know, you made this goal, but it was a pretty sorry one. Let's do another one, okay? And you do that. This stuff is not in concrete. 
If it's not getting you to what your desire is, then change it. So if my desire is to finish well and I put all this energy and effort into this over here and it's not getting me there, then change it. If my desire is to grow to love more God more and more and more and I've got three goals to get me there and they're not getting me there, then change them. You know, people get locked into this and it becomes a legalism. It's a means to an end is what it is. It's organizing our lives and being intentional about what we do. Now, you're going to have to write that prayer down too. remember that. OK, so the next thing is then I take this goal and I break it into task, measurable, manageable task. I word them the same way. I purpose to do the following task by. And the reason that I don't say I will do the following task is because when I say that and don't, then I have to deal with guilt and I get mad at myself and I don't have time for that. So I'm just going to purpose to do this. Then when I mess up, it's like, mm, didn't do good this day. I'm going to keep going. I don't have to kick myself for failure because I'm always looking forward, purposing to do something, not saying I'm going to making a vow or commitment and then messing up. I'm not saying you can't make a vow, but if you do, be careful. The Bible talks about that. And if you make a vow, you better follow through with it. So I use purpose statements. I purpose to do this by these following tasks. Number one. I'm going to pray daily, pray daily, this prayer up here. It's going to keep it on my brain. I'm going to pray daily. That's a task. That's measurable. That's something I can do. I can put a check mark by the calendar. I can just write the date down. I can open the book. I mean, I can pray that every day. It's measurable. It's obtainable, right? My next one's a little harder. Serving them as opportunity arises and God leads me to serve. I write down some of these and some people have a long list of these ways that they're going to serve this other individual. So maybe, you know, already they can't mow their lawn. You say, I'm going to mow their lawn. You can do that. Uh, maybe, you know, when their birthdays are and you say, we're going to have a party. OK, you can you can add those things. You, you can do that. But I like to leave this open. And so it makes me walk into their world, always looking for how I can serve and meet needs without enabling Serve as God leads you to say to serve the service that God has you provide for other people doesn't enable. I'm not buying your drugs for you. OK, that's the wrong kind of service. But as God leads you, then you just write it down. I'm going to serve this way. Oh, wow. This came up. This person needed uh, the house painted. This one needed me to go underneath the house and fix some pipes. This is I'm just naming things that I've done over the years. OK, you've got them, too. And the need arises. You step into that opportunity. Right. And then you write that down. OK, I did this. This is where I served. This is where I met a need. So forth. And I'm going to show you why that's important in a minute, because if you're going along and you don't have anything written down, you're probably not doing any service. God meets our needs. One of the things that we do to the world in love for them is we meet needs. I'm just convinced of it. So that's what I write down. Second thing is I want to love them as God loves me. If you have any relationship with these people at all, you're probably going to be offended by them sooner or later. And so you just do like some people I know and say, you're dead to me, right? Well, that's an option. But if we're going to love like Christ loved us, what are we going to do? We're going to overlook an offense. We're going to what? Pursue that relationship. And we're going to continually and constantly hold up the truth. 
So I'm going to love like I have been loved, right? Although I have been known to say, you're dead to me. I mean, that's not the way we want to do it, right? We have a bigger agenda that's going on here, okay? So then I can write those things down too. They did this, this, and this, and I just want to rip their head off. But you know what, God? I'm gonna, not going to wear my feelings out on the end of my shirt sleeve. I'm going to forgive that. I'm going to be hard to offend in this relationship. It's what we want to be. Am I loving them the way God loved me? Now I'm going to write that stuff down. Proverbs 16 and 9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. I think that what I'm doing here is planning a course, but letting God determine the steps. My course is to love them like God loved me. My course is to serve them and to meet needs that God would want me to. Jesus did that. He set a pattern for that. And so I want to do that as he did and as his spirit leads me in their lives. That is, I think, a noble plan that God can lead and guide and direct. And so that's what I have written down. Then it gets a little more practical. I invite them to evangelism events that we have here at East Kelsey Baptist Church. Remember, used to, back in the old days, we had four evangelism events a year. We did one a quarter. And the thought was this. If you go to somebody that you're trying to lead to Christ and you invite them every single week to come to church, they're probably eventually going to get really sick of that and good at telling you no. But if you invite them to one event a quarter that is specifically set up so that they can have a good time and realize that Christians are real people too, and that they can hear the gospel presented in some creative way, then invite them to that event. Four times a year, you have an opportunity to really camp out and say, hey, Vic, you know what, man, our, our, we're having a sportsman's banquet. We're having this guy come and speak. Man, he's a great, he's a hunter like you wouldn't believe. All kinds of great information. He knows the Lord. Now, you know, don't bait and switch. You know, you're going to get a chance to meet some great uh, Christian people. And uh, you're going to get to hear some things about Jesus Christ that I think you're going to be amazed at. Along with the hunting. Hey, let me pick you up and come. Can I pick you up and bring you to that? You got four times a year that we used to do that. Now, we don't have as many of those anymore. We only have a couple thanks to our puppet team dying and a million other things, but we're working on it. We're going to bring them back. They will be there again, but we still have some that are happening. Our Mother's Day event is a huge deal. What a great opportunity, you know, to, to bring in moms, grandmas, everybody else, family members to come in and, uh, and just have a great time and to eat some food and to hear the gospel. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. And then I'm going to invite them. And the next thing on my list is I'm going to eventually invite them to church. And I am going to invite them to respond and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and at that point, you're going to have to present the gospel. So that gets me to item three or to item four to item five and presenting the gospel. You say, well, I, I don't I don't know if I could do that. Well, if you come to the winter retreat this year, when you leave, you'll be able to present the gospel. And if you can't, you see me at the end of the retreat and we'll stay till you can. It's one of the sessions that I'm going to lead. And I've done this a hundred times before. You can do this. It's simple. If it wasn't, I couldn't do it. And the basics of it are real easy. God loves you. He wants you to have abundant life and eternal life. 
He wants fellowship with you forever. Relationship with you forever. But you don't get that because you have sin in your life. And sin is incompatible with the things of God. His holiness, His righteousness, His kingdom, everything about it. So we lose because of our sin. And there is nothing that we can do about our sin. Nothing. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. We are separated from God because of that sin. And all the good things that we do will never get us right with God. And the consequences of those sins are eternal separation from God, which means death and hell forever. And if that's not an option you like, then there is a, another option that God provided for us. You can pay for your own sins. Go to hell forever. But there's another option. God saw this situation, our estrangement from him. He wanted us to be in right relationship with him. So he sent Jesus. And Jesus did three things. He lived on this earth. He died on the cross and he rose again. That are very important things. The life that he lived was perfect. He was sinless. The soul that sins, it must die. Jesus didn't have to die because he was sinless. The soul that sins must die. So he could say, I will give my life a ransom for Vic, a ransom for Rick, a, a ransom for Lori. He could do that. And God said, okay. And he gave it on Mount Calvary, a death he did not owe. And they validated the claim that he died for our sins when God raised him from the dead. It's a done deal. And this is the only way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to God beyond, besides Jesus. That's it. You say, well, it's, it's just a God by a different name. Muhammad, Buddha, whatever. No, it's not. It's the God of Abraham, the God of J a uh, Jacob, the God of Isaac. It is the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. You get the name right or you miss him. They're not the same. He is the only one. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. That's what it says in the book. Oh, Buddha's just a good substitute. Buddha will send you to hell. Muhammad's just a good substitute. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. It's Jesus Christ. That's it. You either accept, accept him or reject him. That's it. And if you choose to accept him, it's real simple. You turn from following sin, self, and Satan, and you say, I have a desire, a new desire to follow God. I'm going to follow Jesus. That's repentance. The second thing is you've got to put your faith and trust in him. You've got to believe that what he did on Mount Calvary is enough to cover your sins. And put your faith in him in such a way that you're willing to put your life into his hands. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you just say to the Lord, God, I believe I'm ready to turn. I know what Jesus did. I see my sin problem. I want to walk with you. Lord, come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. You believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You confess now with your mouth or believe in your heart the Lord Jesus. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And now, boom, he is your Lord and Savior. Mystical, magical? No. No, it's just a matter of faith. And then you get to do life with Jesus. Life with Jesus. Life is about who you do it with. It's not about anything else. You'll be happy in life if you're doing it with the right people. You won't like life if you're doing it with the wrong people. Let me invite you to do life with Jesus. He's right people. That's fun stuff. Could you do what I just did? Sure you could. Let me teach you to do that. In 10 minutes. It's not hard.
That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you called upon Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? If not, you want to do that now. If not, why not? That's a good question. One of the most astounding answers that I get is people say, well, I don't want somebody else running my life. I want to do it myself. Wow. You'd rather do life with you than with Jesus. Okay. If you don't know that, if you can't do that, if you're not comfortable with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I invite you to our retreat at Cannon Beach. If you miss it, it's on you because the opportunity will be there. Okay. Uh, and I would love to, for you to be there. Okay, man, I got my goals down. I'm going to share that gospel. I'm going to invite them to evangelism events. I'm going to invite them to church. I'm going to love them as God loves me. I'm going to serve them as I have opportunity and he leads and I'm going to pray for them daily. Now, I've got five tasks that I am committed to doing this next year with one individual that might make me realize that desire I had in a way I never had before. Okay, now let me add the last part of it to you. This is the part I stole from D. Duke. You write this down. D says if you don't write it down, it's just wishful thinking. You write it down, and then you give it to somebody else. And you have somebody else hold you accountable. And you have somebody else that you're evaluating with. So that they look at your list and say, ah, Look, you said you were going to serve. You hadn't done a blame thing for this person. It's been six months. Are you going to serve them in any way? Well, they didn't have any need. Yeah, they did. You just didn't see it. You said you were going to share the gospel with them. You made time to do that? No. Well, you're halfway through the year. When are you going to do that? We had an evangelism event back in uh, the first quarter of the year. Did you invite them? Well, no. Okay. Do you see what, what I'm saying? If you have this written down and you're working it through with somebody and you're doing accountability on a weekly basis, you're more likely to do it. And all they're doing is holding you accountable to what you said you wanted. I've done that all my life with the kids. I had them write up a, a, a dating and a courting covenant so that they would know how they were going to do the years ahead when they decided to find a mate. And they would come to me and want to change the covenant. And I'm saying, no, look, when you had, when you were in your right mind and you weren't Twitter-pated, okay? In your sane state of being. You know, there's a point with old people, they can't make decisions anymore because they're old and senile. There's a point with young people where they can't make decisions anymore because they're dumb and in love, okay? So you say, look, you know how grandpa was? Couldn't make those decisions for himself. We had to do it for him, right? But grandpa was smart and he planned ahead. He had a will. He had a living will. He had all this stuff in place. So we're going to hold that up for him, right? And so my kids say, I've lost my brain. I'm totally in love. And this is the way I want to do it now. And I'd say, wait a minute. Remember when you were sane? Remember, this is the co covenant that you made with yourself that you said you wanted me to hold you accountable to. And I'd break, and they forgot they even had that piece of paper, but I would break it out and say, do you remember this? That's all you're doing with accountability. Somebody is holding up what you wrote down and saying to you, do you remember this? And they're asking you again, is this really a desire of your heart or is it just wishful thinking? 
Is this really something you want to do or is it wishful thinking? And without that evaluation, you probably won't get there. All right, if you're walking this through with me, it's, it's real simple. You wrote something down. You have a pretty detailed plan. You have a way to evaluate it. You have some accountability that's going on here. And at the end, I'm, I'm guessing that you're going to be a person that's probably going to come closer to carrying out that plan and that desire than the guy who made the New Year resolution and said, this year I want to do this. And I know you're sitting there saying, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. But do you want the thing that is the desire of your heart to become a reality or you just want to keep talking about it for another year? In Isaiah 32, 8, it says, but the noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds he stands. That sounds exactly like what I'm doing here. I, 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 have, a, I have a noble plan. And it's a thought out plan. And yeah, it takes some work. So just do one. Just do one desire. And really, you're better off to do that anyway, because I've gone nuts with this. I have, I have literally put together a book and, and it gets overwhelming. So you're better off really just to do two or three. But I believe that your ability to accomplish this is going to be so much more maximized by this process than if you just, yeah, this year I want to do this. And you're going to find yourself operating with purpose in a new way. And that just recharges your life and gives energy to it. Okay, real quick, I want to give you one more. I'm just, I'm not, I'm just going to run you through it. I'm not going to explain it. Ready? This is one of mine for this next year. Here we go. I'm tired of having no energy. I don't breathe very well. My clarity of mind is mush. I need to rest more. I don't want to kiss anything goodbye next year because of health. I'm tired of doing that. Every year, it seems like I have to cull something. I realize that my care of my physical body is a part of the problem here. I've always just lived large in America, never given it any thought. Still do, pretty much. Okay, so, I have a desire. I have a desire to honor God with my physical body and to present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God in a new way. Is that a good desire? Is that a biblical desire? Hey, run you through some verses. 1 Timothy 4, 8. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the, both the present life and the life to come. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Proverbs 23, 20, 21. Do not join uh, those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Remember, I told you I wanted more energy. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I buffet my body, bring it into bondage. Lest that by any means after that I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. I learned it this way. I buffet my body, make it my slave, lest after having preached to others, I myself would be rejected, disqualified. Seems to me this is a plan that would be in keeping with God's word. Don't you agree? Okay, so my prayer, I turned it into a prayer. Lord, I purpose today to be a good steward of my physical body. I covenant with my eyes not to dwell on things that the flesh desires. 
ice cream, pastries, cookies. Uh, you could apply it to lust. You could apply it to a million other things too. But I choose self-control and the little word no in all areas related to gluttony. I choose yes to all that is edifying and life-giving and healthy. I choose self-discipline to, uh, to carve out time to exercise, to rest, and to give one day a week to a Sabbath rest. I feel like I need that desperately for mental and physical health. And that, go to the scripture and look. It, it, it can include fasting. It can, can include prayer. It, can, it includes studying the Bible. It includes worship. You, know, you can study it. But it's a stopping, a cessation of labor to fellowship with God and to rest. Give me grace and determination that I may say yes to your Holy Spirit in these matters as I received his prompting. Amen. Now, that's my prayer. Again, I'm just running you through this goal I'm, I have set for myself. This is my one of my three resolutions for the next year. Okay, how about a goal? I purpose to practice good stewardship of my body in 2022. That's my goal. My task. I purpose to do this in the following ways. Outline plan. Here it is. I'm going to go on a high protein, low carb diet until I've reached my desired weight loss. Right now it's 15 to 20 pounds. See how I feel when I get there. Okay. You say, well, Rick, you'd still be fat. Yep, I will. But I'm counting on being sick out there somewhere, and I might need a little extra, all right? So I'm not going all the way down, all right? I'm going to record daily my weight. I'm going to write down everything I eat daily during this reduction period. Yeah, well, that's a lot of work. Nah, not really. Get up in the morning, you weigh, and you write down what you eat every day, Okay. D. Duke says you count things that are important to you. We've gone over that with you before. If this is important, count it. You've got to count something, so I'm going to count it. Okay? I'm going to establish, in once I finally get there, a maintenance diet. <coughs> and this is going to be done with my cook. Because I don't cook, it requires us to coordinate, you know? And at that point, whether I stay thin or not, it's up to her. All right? <laughs> if she brings home too many ice creams and pastries... What can I say? You know, got to have a good cook. Exercise three times a week. I'm going to record that. Sleep seven hours a day. At least seven hours a day. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm hoping. That's why they're purpose statements, all right? Uh, I'm going to practice the Sabbath weekly, and I have a plan for how I'm going to do that. I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to record it. Why am I writing all this down? Because I'm going to share this information with Preston. He's my accountability partner in this. And this is all his fault, really. Because I said, you know, I'm going to get my body in shape in 2022. And he said, good, I'll be your accountability partner for that. We'll both do that. And I'm going, dude, you're a cop. You work out all the time. Look at you. You know, you really need this, you know. Uh, what were you going to say? Okay, you're on, baby. Huh? That never came into my mind. <laughs> never. <laughs> it's like, this is a desire. I need this. I'm going to do it. Okay. So, so I have my accountability partner. So I'm turning it into him every week. Keeps me on track. Helps to have somebody accountable. I may be more successful at this this year than I've ever been before. I've said this on a lot of new years and never done a thing past the first donut. <clears throat> right? Do you see how this could make a difference? 
What do you desire? What's something you really want? If it's to fly an airplane in 2022, then write it down and figure out how to get there. What's the desire of your heart? If it's one that God has given you, do something with it. Put some purpose in your life. Put some direction in your life. Don't just talk about it. Do it. Live it. This is a lot of work. Yeah, it is. But you may be surprised on the other end what happens. I don't always succeed, but I get a lot closer when I work this process than if I just require or just let myself live in wishful thinking. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it's work. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. But Lord, if we just take one, one thing and do that one thing, we might be surprised at how much that would change our lives. Especially if that one thing was just to get to know you better and to love you more. Lord, if we started with that goal and figured out how to make that happen, that could be transforming for our whole life. Lord, I don't know what everybody's heart's desires are here today. But Lord, I just pray that you would help us in 2022 to see the fulfillment of those godly desires in ways that we could only dream about. You're the imaginably more God. You're the one that can do, Lord, beyond what our expectations or our minds can even conceive or perceive or dream about. So as we step into this journey with you, Lord, I pray you would meet us there and amaze us and marvel us, Lord, at the great power of your grace in our lives. And Lord, if there's anyone that hasn't responded to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life and the salvation that he wants to give to them, I pray that this would be their hour of salvation. We love you, Lord. Speak to our hearts in these moments and so we close. Amen.